You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. All right, Meredith, thank you so much for joining us here on Spark TV. Thanks so much for having me, Danielle. I am so excited to chat with you. Um, When we got connected and I looked at Because Creative Experiences online, I was like, holy crap, you have done some incredible work. So I'm just so interested to hear your backstory. Maybe let's start there. Can you, um, and I'm super keen to know, did you always have a business? Was there a career? Like, tell us everything. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a Kiwi living in Aussie. I started my career in um, broadcasting and radio. And I really enjoyed that for a lot of reasons, but like lots of other Kiwis, um, you know, wanted to just leave New Zealand. Like that was my sort of thing. So I moved to Australia. I met my now husband, who's English. I did quite a bit of traveling around Australia and then moved to the UK. Um, Did a few different roles there, a lot of them sort of temping. Um, But I, because of my background of sort of promotions and marketing and broadcasting, I fell into a position, um, when I say fell into you know, I interviewed for, I fell into, I fell into um, experiential marketing at, um, because uh, I worked for the London agency for five years. I spent 10 years in London and I did five years of those at, because um, doing all sorts of amazing campaigns for global brands and, you know, really had a taste for it because it sort of combined my love of event-based marketing, um, Mm. events and, and marketing. And I'd always wanted to get close to the Southern Hemisphere. I think, you know, I work for, you know, I, I'm a business, my business partner is the original founder and CEO of Because. And wow. I think one night I just sort of floated, you know, I'd love to start the agency, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm. And New Zealand felt too small for me to come back to after 10 years in London. You know, that was probably wrong, but I think that, you know, there's a bit of a reverse culture shock when you come from yeah. sort of being there. You know, I, I couldn't see myself there. So, um, yeah, instead I moved to Sydney in 2011 um, and did a joint venture startup um, with the business. So um, the co-founder here um, and, you know, I guess it, naivety is a wonderful thing because, you know, starting an agency in a market that you've never worked in before, um, you know, is crazy yeah yeah you know I guess ambitious but you don't know what you don't know so you know had I always um you know did I always have this 
amazing entrepreneurial sort of streak kind of thing. Uh, you know, I, I think I've always been entrepreneurial, but I think it was more opportunity. You, I created an opportunity for myself and then suddenly sort of one thing leads to another kind of thing, mm. you know. So, and here we are, we're, you know, in our 11th year of business here. Um, we've got offices across Sydney, Melbourne and Auckland, and we very much leverage off our um, the UK and biz, um, global business, but we run our own um, PL. So, you know, we paddle our own canoe. So, as much as we leverage um, sort of skill sets and, um, you know, some of our marketing, it is very much its own entity, which is, you know, hugely rewarding because, you know, I think it just means that we can make our own decisions and set our own course of direction, but um, still be very outward looking, which I think is really important for businesses. I think that's incredible because I feel like um, people get stuck on one way of doing business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of people think, well, I need to have the one perfect business idea and that will Mm -hmm. be the thing I do. So I love that your story is actually, no, I I took this opportunity. I made the next step. I fell into this. I did this. And then I saw something and then, you know, created that joint venture. So I absolutely love that story. Um, Now, I've not interviewed anyone on Spark TV who has taken that approach of um, there being that entity that already exists and then Mm. essentially doing the joint venture. What did that process look like? Well, it was a three, I think it was a three-year deal that myself and um, Sharon set up and, you know, I took a loan from from the business and, you know, in return worked for, you know, a, a reduced salary in year one kind of thing. And then in year two, the business needed to stand on its own two feet, you know, like no, like be cash neutral. And in year three, profitable, pay back the, the loans. And then I moved into a majority shareholding position kind of thing. Wow. So, um, you know, it was the right deal for for me and for them because I think what what I see when some people who have done similar things to me sometimes the deals are not really um favorable to um to the person who's actually starting the business in another market like starting a business in another market where the brand isn't actually known you know there's no handouts from global there is you know they they like although there is um you know, lots of things that you can draw from them, you know, it's a completely different market kind of thing. So, you know, LinkedIn was an amazing thing, you know, for me, that was really starting to kick off in 2011. And I was fortunate that I had some clients that I'd worked with who had um, immigrated over here, you know, um, you know, London is always tapped for its marketing talent in Australia. So, you know, there was some good connecting of the dots, but that's certainly what um, helped me. So the deal was structured in that way. Um, It made it motivating for me because I think that, you know, I see a lot of people have you know do a lot of work for a relatively small um shareholding and you know that either needs to come from capital or it needs to come from sweet equity there needs to be some sort of value exchange there and I think for me it really worked and you know longer term for um my business partner you know I say my boss because I guess I still sometimes see her as my boss I I was an account but really I'm a peer now Mm. um you know it, it it was motivating yeah oh I could not agree with you more because you know, I see that in, you know, we we have these typical startups who raise capital and these term sheets that really don't favor the founder. And I'm mm. like, that that person is just like working 24-7 to make this a reality. You've got to structure a deal to make it to incentivize them and make them motivated. Yeah, 100%. And look, you know, longer term, it's better for people to have, it's better for the whoever the original investor is to have a smaller piece of a bigger pie and keep that yeah. purse. Because I think that otherwise, 
anybody who does that job and if they end up having a bit of a crap deal I think mm. you know they could just turn around and say, they could just do I mean it depends on what your contract turns are they're probably yeah. going to turn around and say actually I'm I don't this. want you you know I'll, I'm over this I'll start again kind of thing so there's you know the longevity piece and getting that the deal structure to be motivational for both parties it, it, it's in the investors interests as well because then they're going to be able to the lifetime value of you know a smaller share of profits coming in over you know a decade is better than you know you know having that lion's share and then having somebody say actually you know it's my guts your glory Mm, no I totally agree I mean in saying that though so as I think about you know you talk about the three-year deal so Mm. um going from loan um to then being cash neutral to then being yeah. profitable that's still pretty much that's a lot of pressure in three years though as well how did you go with that oh look I think again you don't know what you don't know but I think that is like the right path I think mm. that you know if you I mean yeah I, I think that's what it has to be otherwise there's sort of you know there's no light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing and I think you know females sometimes can be can play things quite small kind of thing as well you know and I'm a big fan of how Emma Isaacs sort of talks about that you know females sort of often have these sort of small kitchen businesses kind of thing when in reality those businesses are far harder than a bigger business to run kind of thing because they're sort of playing small so you know it like it definitely wasn't easy particularly since I borrowed money at quite a good rate and then had to pay it back so it was actually like you know I had some forex issues that went you know went against me but um you know like I think just having those milestones set in place it can become quite quite real and before you know it you're doing that kind of thing and I think that you know when I look at other people's businesses in different sectors, it's all very similar trajectories, really, kind of thing. Like, there's all the smoke and mirrors of, oh, everybody else's business is so much more successful than mine. But, you know, often those ones which are outwardly successful, they're losing lots of money, kind of Mm. thing. The founder isn't paying themselves. It's not really a proper business, kind of thing. So, you know, I think, yes, I just think that that, that a three-year structure like that is, is realistic and really the business is viable then otherwise I would say if it, if you're not hitting those milestones and this is totally my you know opinion of it I think it's probably time to rethink what the business is yeah absolutely and look I I could not agree more my philosophy is if you're not paying yourself yeah. if you're not profitable what are you doing yeah. <laughs> but like who who wants to work for free like that is not why we go into business no, it's not motivating. And I think that, you know, it's, 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 you, you won't be able to continue that without having some resent, you know, some resentment. Yeah. I think also you've got, everybody's got bills to pay. You've got families. And, you know, I think that that's why that's, you know, I often say to friends who are like, you know, I'm thinking of starting my own business. I'm like, why you have yeah. an amazing job, you know, really good salary. You could do something, um, entrepreneurial within your own organization to itch that you know sort of scratch kind of thing it does say there doesn't have to be this you know entrepreneur thing where you know it's just this unique idea and you know nobody's ever thought you know there's there's more than one path to becoming a business owner yeah I love that so much and I think 
I think part of the problem is we get, um, you know, a bit of shiny object syndrome. We see the headlines, we see the unicorns and we kind of think, oh my God, my life would be amazing if I was just a startup unicorn. And they call them unicorns for that reason. They don't exist. Oh, hundred percent. I know that. As I say, it's always so easy to compare yourself and compare other people's success. And of course, people, you know, there's that's the dream kind of thing. But you know, there's nothing. Um, there's nothing bad about having a you know a successful, smaller, profitable business kind of thing. Yeah. You pay a salary, you get some dividends. You know, it's um, you know, there's there's a lot of businesses out there. You know, they're so obsessed with this like cult of entrepreneurship, and they're not actually profitable businesses and for me sometimes I look at that I'm just like wow you know it's it's you know I'm like why you know what's that 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 doesn't that's you know you're not a charity yeah and I I think sometimes it is a little bit of headline grabbing you know I feel it feels like people and look i I'm guilty of this. When we started Scrunch, my influencer marketing business a decade ago, it's like that was what the culture was. You have to go out and raise capital. You have to spend it all. You have to build these huge technology platforms. And we did all of that. And it wasn't until we kind of went, oh my God, this is like a a hamster wheel that we do not want to be on that we kind of like went, we're getting out of this startup scene and just going to run a profitable bloody business. And it's so much more rewarding and fulfilling and less stressful as well. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, it's a real scene kind of thing. And I think that, you know, that would be something that I would say to people starting a business is just be careful how, you know, be careful which communities you're really mixing in. If you are the sum of the five people you spend time with, make sure they're actually people that A, inspire you, but B, have got profitable businesses themselves because, some people on these, you know, on the on the speaker circuit and things like that, if you scratch beneath the surface, there's, there's a lot of sizzle and not a lot of sausage. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so true. So tell me then, you um, obviously had this massive challenge of coming into a new market and growing. How did you do it? How, what sort of strategies did you employ to actually get into and cut through the Australian market? Um, I think leveraging the network, you know, first of all, um, this sounds really stupid, but real active listening, you know, like listening to what clients were saying were their problems and really understanding that and then coming back with tailored solutions to them, you know, this is relevant, Mm -hmm. you know, to a marketing, you know, consultancy sort of business. So, um, well, I think listening to your customers is pretty relevant to every business. Yeah. (laughs) But I think, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, you've got, you think, you know, what is going to be where you're Mm -hmm. going to fit in the market. But then when you start talking to people, you're like, actually, I can see a little bit of clear space in here. This is how we're going to sort of wiggle in kind of thing, you know, because, you know, a lot of the clients that we work with are, are top one, you know, we only really work with top, I would say probably top 50 advertisers, mm. um, you know, and they you know, got a lot of compliance and procurement and things like that. So, you know, it's quite difficult to, to work with them as a smaller yeah. business. So you really have to spot the opportunity and you'll only do that by talking to a lot of people, getting in front of them, doing a lot of lead generation yourself as well. Mm. So, you know, like, I guess everybody does business development in different ways kind of thing, mm. you know, and I... I don't mind talking to people kind of thing. I worked with various 
business development people who would, you know, we would obviously form our list, you know, we would look at which, you know, what we thought, you know, would have a clear proposition. Um, mm-hmm. We would do, we do, we continue to do this to this day. We do masterclasses, which is a sort of um, product for prospects. So, you know, you're serving before you sell something. Um, yeah. And I think that's what I've always sort of taken, you know, the, the mantra and it's, it's actually my business partner, Gareth, who came into the business um, uh, probably two years into the business, three years, two to three years into the business's life, you know, that was his sort of always his mantra is that you got to serve before you sell. And, mm. you know, I think that sort of approach and look, honestly, I think persistence, you know, persistence, you know, there was, there was obviously times where I cried, um, you know, cried and it was not, you know, good. And it felt like, and, you know, a lot of people are quite kind when you're first starting and generous with their time and they sort of, you know, give you false promises and false mm. hope. And it's just so disappointing when you know, they yeah. promise you a brief and, you know, and they don't know that you're literally waiting for the phone to ring from them kind of thing, sort of thing. And, you know, they might pick up the phone six months later, picking up the conversation like it was just yesterday and, and things move. So I think that that was definitely hard. So I think that persistence and, and, and not not you know I think you need to know when to give up but I I knew that we could I knew that we were a successful business you know I knew that we had something to offer and I guess yeah hanging in there really hanging in there adapting and keeping listening and keeping adapting you know just keep iterating and you know when I started the business I'd left the business as a senior account director I wasn't a business director I didn't have really an understanding of the business I knew how to run clients and I knew how to run teams so you know there was a whole nother skill set that I was having to learn but I didn't really need to learn that until I had business in you know you know like there was I think it's just again it's just sort of one step and one step after another after another and seek guidance from those from people around you who've done it before and you know identify those helpers you know because people are generous um, Mm. with their time um, you know and just make sure that you're generous with your time and reciprocal, reciprocal too, you know? Yeah, no, I love that. And it's, and it's really interesting. Like, I mean, so many things to unpack there, uh, but I love that you did say, you know, worry about the business when you've got business. You know, yeah. I see a lot of people when they're just getting started kind of going, well, I need a fancy website. I need to have my, you know, business details. I need a PO box. I need this. I'm like, hang on a second. Where are your customers? <laughs> Yeah, totally. And like, you know, that, all that sort of stuff, people get so thing of like setting up a business. I'm like, it's really not that hard to get an ABN. It's really not that hard yeah, to like re- two minutes. Yeah. yeah, it's really not that hard to register, you know, trademarks, things like that. You know, it's like there, there are certain things that you need to get your insurances in place. Um, but yeah, focusing on getting out there and talking to like people are going to build, like make sure that people trust you, that you're credible and things like that. And, you know, that's and you're adding value. Like you said, you're serving first. Yeah, and I think that that's gonna that's more important than your web that than your website at, at that stage kind of thing. You know, like as I say, I think people get caught in the. I think some entrepreneurs are very are more um, creators kind of mm. thing. You know, like that they love the creation of the product, so they've got to make sure that either they surround themselves with somebody who's going to help them sell it, or you know, like what what gaps do they need to plug kind of thing. But in reality, I think if you're starting a business, you need to be all things to all people, whether you like it or not. Yeah, that is so true. And I do love that you've kind of touched on sales um, a couple of times because I know that a lot, you're you're spot on, a lot of founders and females especially don't always love sales or BD. You know, they don't love being that person that's out there kind of peddling their wares. Um, But it's just so important. If you don't have customers, you don't have a business. 
No. And also, you know, if you've got something that you genuinely believe in, I don't, you know, there's the whole thing, you know, it's, it's totally not dirty, but I do think that, you know, the persistence and, you know, is really important that there's, I don't know, there's those stats on how many times you actually have to have an interaction yeah, with a person, yeah. you know, and this depends on whether you're selling a service or a product, but, you know, it's, you know, in service-based businesses, like, you know, our, pipeline from when we meet someone to when we land a PO, let alone get the cash, that could be well over two years that we're nurturing yeah. that relationship kind of thing. But when we win that client, if we won the right client, then it becomes valuable and there are, you know, the lifetime value kind of thing. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think if you are not comfortable selling, I honestly, I'm not quite sure how you're going to have a business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. totally. So, yeah it's it's so um, unless you're going to recruit unless you've got enough money in the bank and in your plan that you've got and you're you know co-founding it with somebody else and you've got different skill sets but i think that if you're trying to go it alone you know and that's you've got you you don't want to do that you're either going to have to recruit to that or you're going to have to you know get on with it yeah exactly no i i completely agree i think it um you know if you're uncomfortable selling, I always say to people, who cares? Just do it anyway. You know, you don't have to feel good. Like, you know, you're, I always say to people like, you're not a con man, that you have this amazing product and service. It solves a problem. If you are not out there telling people about it, you're actually doing them a disservice. Yeah. And, you know, novice feedback too, <laughs> you know, mm. like it's, you know, mm. like understand sort of why and you know, some people are rude, but honestly, those people that are rude, I never, you never forget them. And what's interesting about those people who either ghost you, who are rude to you, or just, you know, are just very unreceptive, sometimes years later, they go and start their business. And what's interesting is they come and pitch to you. And like, mm -hmm. obviously, I'm not a bitch kind of thing. But that whole thing is you, you remember people, it's like, you oh, gave totally. absolutely no time yeah. when you know, you could have politely said, hey, Meredith, thanks so much. Um, it's I'm really not the right person to speak to. Um, you know, mm. it sounds really interesting. You know, like just it takes two seconds to, you know, it's, you know, people have memories like elephants. It's a small, it's a small market. It's a small world. You know, yes. you just never know. And you also that whole thing that you, you never know where you're going to be next kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I find that I find that absolutely wild that people are like that and they think that, they're, they're acting like they're your best friend. And you're like, hang on a minute. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's like, you know, it's, and, and obviously I'll always be kind to them, but, uh, you know, am I going to invest my time in them? You know, probably not. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's even interesting as well. I think on the reverse side, if you're the um, founder, one thing I've, I've found is, you know, we'll have people who don't go ahead with us, you know, who say no, but then, and it might not be the right time. They might not have the, the right budget, but, 12 months later, they've changed jobs. You know, we work in an industry where people, the turnover is incredible. And it's like, if you're just nice to them, and even if they say no to you, you still, no worries, all good, come to this next event, you go come to this free masterclass and you nurture that relationship. They'll go somewhere else where it is the right time. They do have the budget and they know how much you respected them and were nice and nurtured that relationship. And they'll bring, walk you into that new business. Oh, totally. And I think that that's your brand experience, isn't it? And, you know, it's like you've already put all this, you know, effort into nurturing. And I think also, you know, I really try to nurture relationships from a place of gen like being genuine that, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm you know not false and you know my approach kind of thing. You know, I think that, you know, relationships are important to everyone, but I think that 
yeah, don't, you know, if you don't gel with something, someone, you know, you can't force that kind of thing. Yeah. And maybe there's somebody else in your business who would be better off working with or approaching that person kind of thing, you know. Yeah. You know. I, I like that's just great self-awareness, right? You know, just understanding what the, the larger goal is, understanding that relationships are all different and we all interact differently and, and making sure that we, you know, pick the right person or the right interaction. Yeah, totally. And, you know, that also comes right down to client fit as well. You know, mm. there's the relationship, but then there's also, are they the right fit for your business kind of thing? Because, you know, a bad client, you know, I think that's really hard when you're starting a business and, and we're a project-based business. So, you know, mm. every project and we have a lot of projects which are repeat projects, um, but nothing's ever a given kind of thing. So, you know, winning the right client and nurturing the right, you know, relationships is really important to us. If, we have a client who um, doesn't invest in the relationship with us. You know, we do this great work and then they had one or two things to do themselves and they don't do it. Well, then mm. we're going to end up doing a bad job. It's going to, you know, reflect on us, reflect on them. That They're not really the right fit for us. They might be a nice person kind of thing. So I think that, you know, getting, you know, getting that fit is really important, which is hard when you're either a project-based business or you're just starting because you're like, I need money, I need money, but, you know, the, the wrong client is worse than no client. Yeah, I know you're, you're so right. That temptation to just take everything and just, you know, work yourself into the ground and not say no can be really detrimental to the longevity of a business. Yeah, and also the team around you, you know, and mm. I, I can't say that I've been perfect on all occasions and things like that, but I've definitely learned from mistakes that, you know, that the impact isn't just to yourself, it's to the yeah. wider team as well. And, you know, it's in, like it's incredibly motivating for them to know that um, you've got their back as well if things, if, the, if it's not, the, if we just can't seem to turn things around with a client for whatever reason it might be. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great example of fantastic leadership. So, you know, obviously when you started the business, I'm assuming you were solo or just with the co-founder. How did you go about growing the team over time? Um, well, obviously, as we won projects and clients, you know, we recruited that. But I think, you know, you've got to also take a bit of a, you know, a bet on. So, yeah, it was just me to start with. Um, and obviously, I had my co-founder in the UK who I sort of had weekly calls with at very late at night because she was mm. based in the UK and running a business at, you know, quite a, quite a difficult time for the UK economy. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I obviously recruited. I used a recruiter in the first instance, you know, which, again, all of these things like really like feel like they're like such hurt. You're like, oh, my God, <laughs> thousand dollars for this yeah. person you know but when you need someone quick you need someone who's got a good pipeline of people um mm-hmm. they've done a lot of the pre-work they they've already know you you know there's mm-hmm. there's a reason why you know and look we don't use recruiters all the time um I try to build a you know good network and pipeline of talent but they have a they have a role to play if you've landed a project and you need someone fast you know that that well whatever the fee is um, is inconsequential um, once you've, because it allows you to focus on running the business, oh. running the client kind of thing, you know? So again, there's just some know what to spend money on, um, you know, like, a, you know, that's just the cost of business to be honest. So yeah, no, I used recruiters to start with. And then obviously, um, you know, the the people that came and joined us, they had people that they used to work with who, yep. you know, <laughs> obviously, you know, recruit from, you know, within their networks as well. And, you know, that's really how we've grown from there. 
Awesome. And have you found, you know, we often hear, you know, culture being, you hmm. know, the topic of the, of the moment. How have you found building the culture within your team? Have you got any tips for people who might be just starting out with kind of small teams and, and growing it and kind of going, oh my God, what do I actually focus on? Yeah, I think being very clear on your your values and behaviours and that it all comes from the top. And I think that, you know, you have to be the champion of culture. Um, your business is always a mirror of how you are personally as well, kind of thing, like being quite self-aware, as you've sort of said. Um, I think, when you know, there's different culture goes through. I, I think knowing that culture isn't just fun, free stuff kind of thing. Yeah. You know, culture is oh, how gosh. you treat people. Culture mm-hmm. is, you know, what examples do you set for people kind of thing that, you know, like just making sure that you've really thought about how you reflect and show up in the business because people will mirror you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, when you're small, I think, it, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to wrap your arms around the business but I think, you know, some of the things that I did when we were sort of at a smaller stage, we would team up with, you know, another friend of mine who'd founded a, um, a business at the same time, which is actually influenced the marketing agency as well. We shared similar office space. So we would um, sometimes do like joint Christmas parties, joint Melbourne Cup, because oh, we nice. only had like four people in our team. And it's like yeah. the, same, <laughs> the same four people that you've been talking to all week. And now we're having fun, you know, like just we sort of did did things like that to sort of bring a bit of freshness and a bit of a bigger group kind of together. So um, yeah, I think culture is very, it's, it's shouldn't, if it's strong, it shouldn't be fragile, which, Mm. you know, I know that that sounds like really, again, like really sort of obvious, but um, you know, be very protective of it because one toxic person can have a real impact on your business quite quickly. It's yeah. amazing how, um, yeah, the, the impact of it. And so nip the behaviors in the bud really quickly kind of thing, mm-hmm. like, and, and make sure that you're, you know, taking time to recruit against your values and behaviors and, you know, embed them in right from the off because, yeah, that the, again, it's the same as the wrong client, the wrong hires, um, you know, can can be very difficult for you, for you kind of to manage. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, someone once said to me, culture is never finished. Yeah. So, you know, something that you've got to focus on all of the time. And you, you are spot on that. I think, you oh know, business is almost a little bit fragile. You know, it is the, the wrong client, the wrong team member, the wrong strategy. It all can go awry very quickly. So it is sort of super important as the leader to make mm. sure you do have your eye on everything. Yeah. And keep seeking feedback as well. And, you know, yeah. take, take the feedback on when it is relevant but also brush it off when you're like okay I can see that feedback I'm hearing you but actually in my, in my I know where that's coming from kind of thing so I think yeah. you have to have a little bit of a thick skin sometimes when it comes to feedback you know don't be you know because if you rolled over for every person's feedback you'd end up just flopping and flopping you know you wouldn't stay the course of what your vision for what your culture is going to be like kind of thing so clearly it um it's a living and breathing thing and everybody's part of that but you know you've got to know when it's you know know when it's this is just the way we do things or you know this is you know this is a deal breaker kind of thing you know and know when know when it's also not a deal breaker I think you know because I think often when you seek that feedback um people do have good ideas too you know and you are you always have to be evolving as well and you know I'm 42 now and 
you know, um, I can't pretend, you know, I can't pretend to have the same, you know, to, I can remember what it's like to be 21, 22 in the workplace, but, you know, it's, you easily also forget kind of thing. So, you know, just making sure that you do, you know, for me, like I've, when I, we have new starters and, you know, more junior people, I, you know, have a calendar across the year where we just go and have a coffee with, um, with them. And the agenda is, not about me it's literally just you know 45 minutes you know an hour for them to talk about themselves I you know I really don't care if we just talk about restaurants or you know what you're doing at the weekend or if you want to talk about the work or you know what's next for you kind of thing I think Mm. all of that just um shows people you know that you do care for them you know I think you know as leaders there's an incredible like pastoral care that you have to have for your workforce. You actually do have to care about people like genuinely. Um, mm. Yeah. I think that is, you know, business, that whole thing, business is personal kind of thing. And it's, and, and honestly, I genuinely like the people that I work with and I'm always, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed by, you know, the things they come up with, talk about and just the energy that they bring. And that's, you know, it comes from a genuinely, am impressed by that I'm you know I'm not making it up of like wow that's great kind of thing you know and then and then you could just do it exactly how I see yeah. it <laughs> kind of thing yeah. I think some people some people that like you you've got to let some things go when it comes like you know set what the culture vision is and then you know empower people to get on with it too oh absolutely and I think if you're if you're the only one coming up with the ideas you're the only one implementing you're the only one you know you are limiting yourself and your business Oh, and just also exhausting, you know, like oh, and yeah. like little things like, you know, you know, we have like champions across the business for different elements of culture and, hmm. you know, the people, just things like making sure there's somebody who's mapped out all the birthdays and make sure that each team, oh, yes. each team is responsible for organizing the cake for that person in their team. Because if it was left for me, it's just another thing that I'm probably going to forget kind of thing. And I don't care when people's birthdays are, you know, like I is, but, you know, it's again, it's impossible for you to, you know, carry all of those things when you've got so many other um, priorities too. Yeah. And I think as the, the founder or the leader of the business, it's really important to understand where you bring the most value. And whilst the cake is so important and someone has to remember the cake, if that's what you're spending your time on, the business growth might be suffering. Yeah. And it's, that's a constant check-in kind of thing, like constant check-in to yourself of, am I Am I getting, is this the best bang for my buck on my time? Is there mm. somebody else? And look, honestly, I that, that that's a work in progress all the time for me. And I think any founder that says otherwise, it's probably lying kind of thing. But yeah. I think have always keep checking and checking in, particularly when there's requests of your time, whether that's internal or external, you know, is are you the right person to be doing that? And, you know, I keep getting asked to be, members of some like um like paid networking groups and I I just have to be honest I'm like I don't have the time this sounds great but I cannot Mm. commit to any more extracurricular activities I've got children I need to do the things that I'm already doing well not pay a subscription join up to something that Mm. the joining up part of those things is easy yes (laughs) no yeah no seeing it through you know so 
I love that too. I was I was having a chat to another founder the other day about about the extracurricular, you know, and how easy it is to get swept up in, you know, speaking on a panel, uh, you know, attending a networking event, being asked to speak on a panel or or whatever it might be, joining a membership or whatever it might be. All of those things just add up or even like awards and those sorts of things, like they all just all add up and you've got to really sometimes take stock on if they're actually driving a return for the business or yeah. you know you know or if you are willing to sacrifice something so willing to sacrifice family time for that or yeah. willing to sacrifice whatever your hobby is you know if you're not actually taking you know regular check-ins to really think about what you're doing with your time it can be really um detrimental i think yeah and do you enjoy it as yeah. well you know like i think that enjoyment and fun you know i'm really fortunate at my business partner gareth um you know one of the first things when i interviewed him was you know asked him what he wanted out of it and he was like honestly i want to have fun and that's so um refreshing because mm. you know we work really hard like sometimes being a founder of a business, running a business, whatever you're in, it's it's not very fun, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, so you know, for these other things, which it could be, they need to really add value to your mm. business, and ideally something that gives you some energy and where you can make impact. Because otherwise, what's the point? Mm. You know, like, you're you're not going to be able to keep going with those things as well. So I think that you know, again, when you're looking at all the things that you spend energy on, you know, has to you know has to give you some return personally as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, obviously, you know, we've talked about a few different things and how rewarding it is and and culture and all of those things. What about challenges? So have you had any problems since you started the business? Oh, I think, you know, COVID, obviously. (laughs) Um, I've had issues with probably in the early, early days with um, suppliers letting you down. That's been, Mm -hmm. you know, it when it was business critical you know mm-hmm. had, a, had a company turn around and say look we no longer want to work on this contract which I was just like wow you know for me I you know I hold very hold sta- high standards and if I've committed to something and someone mm-hmm. even if I'm not enjoying it you know unless it was that example of toxic to the team or something like that you know um I wouldn't pull the pin because I just know that that's would be that's that's going to ruin your rep that's you know not good for your reputation or your personal brand so you know being let down by suppliers um you know in the early days now we're obviously further down the track you have you know good relationships approved supplier lists all that sort of stuff mm. um I think um, probably our biggest challenge right now is we're in a period of you know growth and I think that um but but being ready for growth as well probably I think yeah. that um um, when I say that, you know, I've had two kids, we've been through COVID, you know, with being an event business, like all the things. And we've actually done really phenomenally well out of mm. it and, you know, a, a set for a lot of success. But I think that um, that next stage of growth, you know, I think, you know, you, you sort of get to your business to a certain level kind of thing. You need to stick some more risk into it to get to that next level. And that's sort of what we're going through at the moment. So, that's definitely a challenge and the way that I've sort of tackled that is you know seek seek advice from other people um so put you know put the put some figures around what would you be be prepared to lose and yeah and and also like knowing that if you're not trying things Mm. you know like a, a six you know things that don't work out are not they haven't, this sounds stupid, but they're not unsuccessful. They, you know, you've yeah. tried something and, you know, mm. you've got to, 
you know, park that, know when to park it and then move it on kind of thing. So I think those navigating, trying to break through different levels, like, you know, billing your first million dollars of revenue, you know, is your sort of as like a magic number there. And then, you know, you Mm -hmm. talk about the sort of three years, there's different sort of milestones in business. And for us, you know, we're in our 11th year, you know, for me personally, I've got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, there's been different stages. So, but now I'm, I think it's also, you have to be ready for what that next stage is too. Yeah, I love that so much. I think, um, I mean, there's so many nuggets of wisdom there in terms of, you know, being willing to um, take some level of risk and try new things. You know, the world changes so quickly, especially in the marketing industry. And Mm. I just feel like if you're doing the same thing over and over, you are just not keeping up with the people that are coming through, the new businesses, the new ideas. It is so easy to get left behind if you're not experimenting with new, you know, channels and ideas and products inside your business and I think it keeps it fun as well you know you know there's a level of interest as well but fun (laughs) yeah you know it's like you know challenging but I think that again like stimulating yourself you know from a leadership perspective because you know in some ways your role doesn't change a lot but in Mm. other ways it does change you know and you can force the change too sort of thing so if you're not enjoying things know that you know it's up to you to sort of say okay well I need to make a you know and sometimes you know and unfortunately you're having like my business partner Sharon she'll be like you know let's just let's revisit this in six months time because sometimes you're in the eye of a storm and it's a particularly tricky kind of thing um you know and I think that again I'm quite a resilient person I can stick at things not stick at things to the point where it's like well that was just a bad decision but sometimes you're right in the thick of it and then you know before you know it that issue is passed and Mm -hmm. actually you're like oh okay I can get some perspective on that you know that was just a temporary thing um so yeah I think all, all of those are challenges yeah, and I but I love as well, you've mentioned it a couple of times that seeking feedback from other people. So people like advisors or mentors or people in the industry, like people that have done what you're trying to do, or just somebody that can get you out of your own way is just so valuable in business. Totally. And I, you know, I some I, you know, probably once a year look at round at my network and about people who I think who've done this before. And, you know, I'll be really honest on, you know, when I say to them, I'll be like, I literally probably have nothing that to give you. I'm not gonna ask you out for coffee because that's too much of your time. I'll be like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to do XYZ. Could we have a quick phone call about mm-hmm. it? Um, I never request like a Zoom link up or things like that because that, you know, often it's just easier for people to just pick up the phone and have a quick conversation and I give them that specific question. Yeah. And again, it comes down to like advice. Like I might not agree with their advice. It might not be right for my business, but equally so there might be something that you're like, actually that's some really good perspective that you've mm-hmm. given and you know, and I'm very open to doing that to people as well. So, you know, like I think you, you know, you, what you put out, you receive kind of thing. And if you don't ask, you don't get. But that whole thing of, oh, could we go for a coffee? I'll shout you a coffee. It's like successful. Yeah, people. I can buy my own coffee. Thanks. They can buy their own coffee kind of thing. I think you just got to be yep. really honest with your pitch on what you're really trying to achieve. And then sometimes people are like, look, I just don't have the time or actually I'm not the right person to help you. But yeah. you speak to blah, 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 which is, you know, valuable. 
Yeah, no, I love that so much. Meredith, you have been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for investing your time in the Spark community and sharing your insights. Um, That was absolutely incredible. And I know that everybody tuning in would have gotten immense value from that. Thanks so much for having me. That wraps this episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next. Or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.